you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to April. It's draft month, Bucky Brooks. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I am good. Big weekend, holiday weekend, but spent a lot of the weekend working, trying to get ready for the draft in a couple weeks. Yeah, this is a bear. The draft is a bear, and if you, you don't get your arms around it, it'll eat you. There's a lot of guys to watch, a lot of work to do, but we're getting there uh, less than, well, gosh, drafts of 26. We got 24 days. Holy moly. Uh, we are we are getting there. We got a big episode coming up today um, as well as some another 360 that's dropping this week. So we've got 360 episodes dropping every week on on a top prospect. Those are doing great. Hope you guys have enjoyed those. Uh, but on today's episode, Buck, uh, give us a couple topics we're hitting here. Oh, we're going to play a little Jenga. I know Dave Demeshek. Yeah, it is Dave's. But we're going to play Jenga. Missing piece for Super Bowl contenders only using 2018 draft prospects. We're going to break down the DB class. Nothing I like more than breaking down the DBs. Uh, we're going to discuss what goes on during team visits because we've reached that time of the process. And finally, we're going to have a little interview with Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver D.D. Westbrook, one of the best receivers, I believe, on the rise. Yeah, we've got a young, uh, talented receiver, D.D. Westbrook. We chatted with him for our Baker Mayfield 360 episode. Be on the lookout for that uh, coming in the near future. But we saved the Baker Mayfield stuff to go on that 360 episode. We've got some other interesting conversations uh, with D.D. We wanted to roll that on the back end of the episode here. So we'll get to that missing piece. By the way, Dave's, I think, was like this is the key player on a team that exists. If you took him out, the whole thing would crumble. We're kind of taking a play off that and saying this team is almost complete. They're just missing that piece. So we're going to find that piece in the draft form and uh, see if we can't get them a Super Bowl title. But before we get to all this stuff, Buck, I, this is kind of a last minute. We, this just popped up on Twitter earlier today. And uh, I wanted to, to give this a little bit of a chat here because Mike Tanier, who's a, a writer over at Bleacher Report, uh, had, a, had a tweet and actually responded to it. I thought it was really, really interesting. But he was talking about the – I believe it started with talking about the Wonderlick test and just how outdated some of this stuff is in terms of uh, trying to assess the intelligence of a quarterback. 
And he brought up a great point with the technology that we have now. We've seen virtual reality be used by college coaches and NFL coaches during the week of preparation. Put those, put the headset on and be able to see different players and movements and fronts and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why NFL teams aren't doing this in the evaluation process. When I saw this, I don't know why I haven't said anything. I don't know why we haven't talked about this. Mm-hmm. That to me is that, – that's every team should be doing this. Put a quarterback – put your offense in, give him the playbook, give him the checks – Put the headset on and see if he can make the adjustments in the checks. I mean, that seems like a no-brainer with the technology already existing. Uh, it does seem like a no-brainer. I think the biggest thing would be getting the information to the prospects. That would do something that you would probably do on a visit as opposed to at the combine. But maybe you could give them a little dose of it at the combine and continue to build out on it. Um, I think when I go all the way back to 94 when I was going through the combine, uh, the Washington Redskins used to have a weird kind of thing, a light test. Yeah, yeah. So they would have a big wall. They would have a bunch of light bulbs on the wall, and they were light, and you had to quickly kind of touch what was lit up. And so in thinking about that and spinning it forward 24, 25 years or whatever, um, I do believe that you certainly could take the technology of a virtual reality and make that 15 minutes a real intriguing get to know. Explain to me what you're seeing. Yeah, Explain to me what you yeah. see. What are the safeties doing? Do you have – is the middle field open, middle field closed? Mm-hmm. What's uh, your read? So I gave you the progression versus certain coverages. What coverage you see? Okay, post snap, there's movement. How does that change your progression? Or you like this is stuff that's it's already available. It's already there for you. I don't know. And maybe there are. Maybe there's some people listening to this and some teams listening to this saying, You just don't know. We've been doing this. No, they they very well may may be doing it. I do believe virtual reality is a huge deal. We have seen teams discuss it. Um I think last year we talked uh Carson Palmer. Mm-hmm. Um in the Amazon Prime series, uh, we saw him go into work and kind of work on that and getting the extra reps because your mind can't tell the difference between uh, a mental rep and a physical rep. And so it is a way to help young quarterbacks grow. It is a way to assess young quarterbacks. Even at Elite 11 a few years ago, we had virtual reality things that we did with the prospects to kind of help them um, understand what they're looking at, what they're seeing. So virtual reality is a thing that is a great tool. I'm surprised we haven't discussed it more when it comes to evaluation. I'm even thinking about – I mean, you can do it for every position. Like, if you're looking at a safety, if you gave him, okay, this week we play the Packers, okay? So in our in our tips and notes for the week, here's the tips and notes. It's, a, it's two sheets. But when you see certain formations, certain players lined up in certain formations. So give him, like, the, the quote-unquote scouting report for the week. Bring him into your facility after he's had a chance to study that. Put the headset on and say, okay, based off formation and split, what do you think's coming? What do you what what should you be on alert for in this? And see how they how they react to it. No, I I think that's a good idea because we're so limited with time. We're so limited um, due to the CBA. How much time you can spend with your coaches? If you can't upload a playbook, give them some things. These, in essence, are like extra walkthroughs, mm-hmm. extra practices mentally, where you can go into the room, lock yourself in and go through what the playbook says, what the game plan sheet is, versus a live moving offense without taxing your body. I think this could be the start of something that's very, very real. Now, we know that it has been kind of catching on and more teams are using VR stuff, but this is kind of next level when you really start thinking about it. Why are more teams fully invested and committed to using those things? No question. And the only other thing I can think of as a father of four kids is just make sure you get a good cleaner. We don't need lice. We don't need lice getting spread around here, guys. Let's get a nice cleaner on that thing before you put that headset on. Zero chance my wife would ever let our kids do uh, do that. Like, there's rides. I guess you can go rides now. Yeah. Amusement parks and you put on the virtual. No chance. How come on? It enhances it. 
Enhances the experience. You get lice. No, no, my kid's not putting that on. It's like kids are going. I cringe when I go to like a hat store and you see kids trying on all these uh, hats. Come on now. Don't do that. <laughs> There's literally, this is getting way sidetracked. There's a picture of my son's uh, uh, kindergarten graduation book. So it's the whole class. They all have, they take their individual pictures, right? So you get the, the thing, they mail it to you, and it has every kid in the class, their individual picture. There's like 30 whatever kids. My kid's the only one without the little hat on. Because it's <laughs> the same hat. And they put the same little hat on every little kid. And my, my, my wife's like, no, 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 no. Such That's a, not happening. You're such a pessimist. Oh, you're not Come getting on. lice? Come on. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get to uh, the missing piece for these Super Bowl contenders here. The New England Patriots all lead it off. Uh Look, to me, adding a playmaker on defense wasn't even really func- focused on first-level, second-level, third-level defense. They just need a playmaker. I ended up putting Leighton Vander Esch, a linebacker from Boise, down there because you can use him in so many different ways, ultra-versatile. Um, to me, you team him up with Dante Hightower, two guys you can use in a lot of different ways. He's really Leighton Vander Esch. He's got some Jamie Collins to him, who we saw have some success early on there with the Patriots uh, before they decided to move move him to the Browns. I think Leighton Vanderesh would be a nice chess piece here for Bill Belichick. I think he could be the missing piece. He's, he certainly could. He could be a guy that can impact them in a variety of ways. They are desperately looking for pass rushers, guys that can impact the game off the edge, but he also loves versatility because they are a snowflake team, meaning each week the game plan is a different snowflake. There are no two game plans that are just alike. Leighton Vanderesh has a skill set that allows him to be utilized in that vein. I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm going to say that they need someone to replace Nate Solder. And even though I'm not convinced that this guy is a pure left tackle, Matt McGlinsky from Notre Dame could be a plug-and-play player in their system just because Tom Brady can protect him as he's trying to protect Tom, meaning the ball is going to come out quickly. He's not going to put his guy in really a tough situation. And Dante Skarnecchia does such a great job of developing young offensive linemen that I think you probably could get away with this guy being a day one starter. I know they don't like to necessarily use high capital and invest big picks in someone, but I think McClinsky could be a guy that you could see the Patriots move up for to make sure they have the left tackle because of all the left tackles in terms of ready-to-play yeah. ability. He might be the best one because he's been world school. Yeah, our, our our pal Mike Mayock has been all over Mike McGlinchey and saying he's the top tackle in the draft for a long time. I Look, I have him – I believe I have him as the second tackle, but technically Connor Williams is. Uh, I had Connor Williams going to kick into guard. Do you have Do you have him kicking inside? I had, I had Connor Williams kind of on that line, thinking that he possibly could be a patient. A lot of thing, people talk about him kicking inside. Yeah, but the thing that kept me going with the Notre Dame kid is I just felt like, just from a schooling and a refinement standpoint, this kid had been more consistent. Yeah, um, and he strikes me as more of a patriot. Yeah, uh, I, I probably am a little bit low on McGlinchey. I I saw him get beat up a little bit in the Miami game and in a couple other games. I think Georgia he might struggle a little bit there as well. Uh, I think he's going to end up kicking over to the right when it's all said and done. But this is not – look, this is not a great tackle tackle draft. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of dudes. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, very close. Last year lost in the NFC Championship game. Uh, my missing piece for them, Will Hernandez. Ooh. You go spend all that money on Kirk Cousins to bring him in there. They did a nice job overhauling the line last year. Still think they need a guard though, another guard to throw in there. I, I just love Will Hernandez, the nasty he brings. I think when you're a team like the Vikings, as talented as they are defensively, you've got all these weapons on offense. I think they're going to be in situations where they're playing with leads. So to be able to finish a game, now you've got Dalvin Cook coming back. Um, you've got a loaded backfield there. 
but have an offensive line that can road grade people and finish games, I think Will Hernandez could be the missing piece. We're thinking the same thing, but on a different side of the ball. You talk about playing from ahead with the lead. That means you got to get off the field and close it out. So for me, I believe they need another nickel corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, if anyone closely watched oh, that he was Waldo. game, he was your he was Waldo. Waldo. He was struggling uh, against the New Orleans Saints, and people found him. I just don't believe he can hold up because this is going to be a team that should score a lot of points with Kirk Cousins in that wide receiver core and the running game and Dalvin Cook coming back. So now I'm going to fortify his strength because the strength of the Vikings has been their cornerbacks and the way that they played. How about Jari Alexander? Oh, yeah. Somehow he's able to be there in the 30s. You take him, you add him to the mix, you now have a defense that can really, really lock up. Trey Waynes is steadily improving. Xavier Rhodes won the best in the game. You put Jari Alexander with his grit, his feistiness, his competitiveness inside, I think you now have a guy that can match up and be that 12th starter on that squad. No question. And we'll get to we'll get to Alexander a little bit later on when we get into these DBs and kind of break them down a little bit. I'm a big fan of his game. Jacksonville, uh, missing piece for me. Look, they're not going to – I don't think they're going to get the quarterback down there. I think they're still committed mm-hmm. to Blake Bortles for another year or two. And I think you saw how close they got last year, the lead they had on the Patriots in that AFC Championship game. They're right there. I think they could just get one more explosive player on offense – you run the ball as well as they do. You want to be able to pay that off with some huge chunk plays down the field. DJ Moore from Maryland, I think there's a chance he's there when they pick. I think he'd be a home run for them. And I, he also brings that toughness. This is a team that is identified with their toughness. You see it defensively with the way they play. They run the football. I think DJ Moore, the speed and the toughness could be the missing piece there for Jacksonville. Allen Robinson obviously missed last year, but he's moved on. I think they need another weapon, and I think DJ Moore would be a great fit. We're thinking the same thing, but I'm thinking of a jumbo-sized wide receiver that is morphed into a tight end's body. So how about a guy like Mike Jasicki coming in? And this is why you have ASJ, Austin Savarian Jenkins, that they signed as a tight end. But when you look at how can I elevate the play of the quarterback – 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field, two wide receivers, thinking run, but really using it to set up to play action. Well, in Jasicki, you basically have a younger version of Mercedes Lewis, and we saw how the Jaguars were able to use Mercedes Lewis, particularly down in the red zone, to help Blake Bortles push the ball into the paint. Jasicki being able to out-jump guys, box them out, play basketball down inside the 20, I think he could be that explosive weapon that you're thinking about. I like that one. Yeah, We're both thinking the same thing, though. we got to find a way to just score one more touchdown. They can get that done. Uh, this is a team that's got Super Bowl aspirations. Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, obviously the uh, the injury to Ryan Shazier factors into this one here. But I think the, the linebacker position forever, go back decades with this Steelers team, the linebackers are kind of the lifeblood of this defense. And so getting another piece to plug in there, Rashawn Evans, I said it on Path to the Draft the other day, just certain guys you watch and you're like, that's a Pittsburgh Steeler. Oh, yeah, the way, the, the way he plays and the aggressive nature, that kind of hunter's mentality. Rashawn Evans can play inside, can play outside. Now you look at him and T.J. Watt kind of growing together. Uh, This would be fun to watch here in that Pittsburgh defense. I love it. I like the pick. I like where he fits. I do believe he can seamlessly transition inside, replace Ryan Shazier, get the defense back on track. This is a 3-4 defense that's built on the play of the linebackers. You have a good one in T.J. Watt, who's going to be on the outside, add another young one in Rashawn Evans, and you feel better about the defense. I'm going to go – Outside, though, I'm going to take it deeper. I know you got Artie Burns a couple years ago, and you have Joe Hayden, but how about adding another corner that can play on the outside in Josh Jackson? Josh Jackson is long. He has great ball skills. And this is a team that kind of morphs back and forth between wanting to be man but really being more comfortable in zone. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to play uh, zone and play with zone eyes, you need guys who can get playmakers football. 
he's a playmaker. And when you look at Josh Jackson, I'm looking at him really play off. He doesn't necessarily play comfortable in space with his feet, but if you go nose-to-nose like Pittsburgh has transitioned into, he should be able to hold his own, learn how to play at angles, cut people off, but more importantly, make plays on the ball. I think Josh Jackson would look good. And look, he spent three years wearing a uniform that looks just like the Steelers. <laughs> That's true. The color scheme is an easy transition. Uh, last of the five teams that focus on here, the New Orleans Saints, Look, they tried to get Jimmy Graham. It did not work. They've been focusing on that tight end position. They bring back Ben Watson, but that's not a long-term answer. Hayden Hurst, the tight end from South Carolina, who we've had on the pod, mm-hmm. uh, is to me is a, is a perfect match for what they want to do. He can get down the seam. Uh, he's after the catch. He does some really nice things. He's competitive. And, look, they hand him the ball in some of those tight end reverses. So you've got a whole new element for a creative play caller like Sean Payton. Why not sprinkle a little of that in as well? I think he'd be a nice fit there in New Orleans. He would be a nice fit. And you have the right position. I'm going with the other guy, the guy that he's competing for. Are you going Goddard? I'm going Dallas Goddard. I think these two guys are very, very similar in how they play. When you look at them on tape, these guys are basically um, big, jumbo wide receivers that have a lot of versatility and athleticism. And Goddard, you have a guy that splits out in the slot, does a lot of creative things. He also takes jet sweeps and reverses, catches the ball in the same. He is a fun player to work around. And so if you can imagine Alvin Kamara, who really brings out a lot of Sean Payton's creativity, then you have Dallas Goddard, another guy that taps into that creativity, putting both of those guys on the same side and coming up with all kinds of plays and concepts and combination routes to really torment the defense. I believe Sean Payton would be in heaven, hog heaven, if he had that ability. I like your thinking there. We're both on the same page there with the with the tight ends there for the Saints. All five of those teams knocking on the door of a championship. We'll see if they can get that final missing piece. Uh, let's get to these DBs here, break down this DB class a little bit, Buck. I don't know, we talked about this going into the weekend, kind of focusing on these corners and, and getting them wrapped up. Man, I, that's, that was my whole weekend, just watching the rest of these cornerbacks. Finally put them to bed. I still have some safeties yet to watch but I still think we can cover some ground here. Let's start with the corners. Let me give you kind of the the order that I have them in here at the top of the board and tell me where you might be different or what you're thinking here. Uh, Start off with Denzel Ward is the best guy. Are we on the same page there? Yeah, we are on the same page with that. All right, next up, I think it's really, really close, darn near identical in terms of my grades, but I have Jair, Jair Alexander from Louisville slightly ahead of Mike Hughes, but I haven't put that to bed just yet. I think it's very close between those two players. Cards are touching, but I would have it flipped. I would have Hughes a little over. Alex- yeah, and look, not by much. Alexander ran faster. Um, they're similar size, almost identical. 5'10", 196, 438 for Alexander. Mike Hughes, 5'10", 1, so that's 5'10 and an eighth, 189, 7 pounds lighter. 4'5", didn't run as fast. I think he plays a heck of a lot faster than that. I would say i got to update my list here in the next day or so. There's a very good chance I flip that one as well. So oh, I think yeah, I can see that. We're in, the same, we're in the same boat. They're two really, really good players. Then after that, I have Josh Jackson next. Would you have him as your, uh, as your fourth guy there, Buck? Yeah, I would. It's funny how the bloom has kind of come off that rose a little bit after the combine. But this is a really good player, and I think we have to go back and look at his tape to familiarize ourselves with his game. I think four is comfortable. I believe he's a first-round talent. And I think all those guys, Ward, Alexander, Hughes, uh, Josh Jackson, all those guys I think can hold up outside. I think all of them can play outside, even though um, you're talking about a couple 5'10 guys, uh, three five ten players in Ward, Alexander, and Hughes. I think they're, they can hold up and play outside. Jackson, obviously – over six feet, and I think he holds up fine outside. Now I get into – and then I, w- I would just say Isaiah Oliver would be my next guy that I have in the order there as an as a pure outside corner. Are you with me on that one? Yes. All right, so then we get to 
the nickels and who we see playing inside. And I'll give you my order of nickels here. Josh, uh, sorry, uh, Dante Jackson from LSU, I have as my top nickel. I thought he was out of position this year. They played him off. I wish they would let him get up and press a little bit. Did not play as well this year as he did the previous year. Uh, obviously a very dynamic, explosive player. I have him as my top nickel. And then after that, Perry Nickerson, who I just finished from Tulane, who's explosive as all get out, ran 4-3-2, has I think 16 career interceptions, uh, gets his hands on a lot of footballs. He would be my second. Duke Dawson from Florida would be my third, and he actually plays a lot inside where Nickerson uh, plays outside. Dawson from Florida plays inside a bunch, so he would be uh, my third nickel in there. Rashawn Galden, uh, Sully's guy from Tennessee, he's a bit, he'd be a big nickel. My guy. There you go. Uh, he just ran slow, ran 4.61, and he doesn't play that fast, but if you're looking for a bigger nickel over six feet, almost 6.1, um, he slides in there for me inside. You know, it's funny. Um, Dante Jackson – is interesting because when you look at the car and you see the time, four three two, you light up. But the thing that concerns me a little bit about him moving inside, he's 178 pounds. Yeah. And so I can envision a team seeing him, Run right smart, at him. running right at him and trying to run him off the field. You're right, the tape from uh, not last year, but 2016 is much better than 2017. Um, I just would need to work him out and just kind of see if he's – tough enough, and if he has the aptitude to be able to handle all the things that go with coming inside. The guy that I like in there, Perry Nickerson, certainly the ball skills, the awareness, um, his speed is there, but he's a little bigger, not much, only five pounds bigger, but he plays, to me, plays a little bigger than Dante Jackson on the field. Florida kid, Duke Dawson, solid. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times when you're looking at corners um, that you're projecting to play as that third corner, whether it be slide or outside, they need to be solid because you can do some things to help them. Uh, They're not necessarily going to be on an island inside. You can help them know where to funnel them to. I think he's plenty fast enough and quick enough to be able to handle that. The one guy that I think could be intriguing, and maybe we'll get to these guys um, later, two guys actually, Holton Hill from Texas. Yep. I have him as outside, outside corner. Big, almost he's six one and a half. Hundred ninety six ran under four five. Right at four, six one nine. six one and a half. Um played really well against USC. Mm-hmm. Um goes all the way back. It's funny because he was on that team, seven on seven team that we had up at Nike. He played with Jamal Adams and he played nickel the entire time. Interesting. Yeah, so he played nickel the entire time and did a really, really good job. So I think that is there. I've talked to some people about him and and they like what he shows on tape he's tough enough he's physical enough does a great job of getting his hands on people um and in this year text you saw him play off in space so he is one and then the guy that you have right below him kevin tolliver Mm -hmm. right below him these are two guys that are intriguing to me because i think they can be what i call top 60 players i think these guys can both be solid second round players that come in and eventually become starters that may be year one that may be a year two two or three down the line, but when I look at their size and how they play in the right schemes, I think these two guys could be solid starters. That's good. I actually have over those two guys, after uh, I mentioned Isaiah Oliver from Colorado, I have that kind of as my top tier. That's the end of my big guy, top tier. So the top tier, again, to go back to it, Ward, Alexander, Hughes, uh, Josh Jackson, and uh, Isaiah Oliver. Those are my outside top tier. And then that next tier right below them, uh, that's where I have Carlton Davis from Auburn. Some people are higher on him than I am. I have him in that second tier of big corners. Um, and then I have, I'm have i a big fan of uh, Isaac Yidem from uh, Boston College. I thought he's he is a tough kid. He's big. 
Uh, he's physical. He can find the football. I liked him, and then I have Holton Hill and Tolliver. So that's kind of that next group for me of those of those big guys. And, and I, th- I think what you're talking about there is really going to the ice cream shop yeah. and trying to figure out what kind of player do you like stylistically for your defense. Do you want a guy that um, you place a premium on tackling, so the physicality and toughness is a part? Do you like a guy who has better footwork and movement skills because then they can shadow and do some other things? They have a, a, a deep or a big toolbox. All of those things matter, and these are the discussions that we would have in the room with the coaches because when the coaches come in there, all those guys appear to be very closely graded. We would let the coaches reshuffle the deck based on how those guys fit into the scheme. Yeah, one of the things you do with coaches is – I kind of broken these down into tiers. Yep. So you would just have the coaches deal within that don't, tier. Don't let them see too much of them. No, board. no. Just, just here's keep, a little sliver. Here's you, these you, four guys. How do you like these four guys? <laughs> I'm not going to let you compare number one to number nope. 32. Nope. But these packs of four, let's make sure go. we get those sorted out. So those are the kind of different clumps I have. Uh, going back in the item, what I liked about him, press. He's physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, he's a little bit late out of his pedal, but he can find the ball. He's very aware. I thought you can use him. He's a good cover two guy as well. You want to sprinkle that in, just the toughness and the uh, the instincts. The interesting thing on the Texas corner, Holton Hill, is I thought the instincts were better than the production. So he had two picks, but I thought he did a nice job. Doesn't take the cheese. I try to hit him on double moves a couple games I've watched. Doesn't take it. Uh, very aware, very instinctive. I just wish he had a little bit more ball production to go with that this year. Uh, and then was suspended for three games as well. So you got to kind of sort through that stuff. Yeah, you got to sort through and see what's in the background. What What is plaguing him that's keeping him off the field? Because on the field, there's a lot to like about his tape and how he plays. A couple other guys. Um, I uh, talked about MJ Stewart and Avante Maddox from Pitt. I have I like Avante Maddox and Stewart to me are kind of third, third round type players. I would agree. Both can play uh, play inside, tough, feisty, competitive, like that about him. Nick Nelson from Wisconsin, who has a zillion PBUs and uh, I think maybe only one interception. So that's a problem. That was though. a knock on like, him. That, that, that's a problem because anytime you get your hands on that many balls and you only have one interception, like it means you can't catch, you can't find the ball. There's something in the ball tracking process that you're lacking and. It's unlikely that a guy like this will ever be a high-volume interception guy. And so you have to understand that he's going to get a lot of knockdowns, but he's not going to turn the ball over for your team. Yeah, no question. So that's uh, – let me give you the exact numbers on that. I don't want to make sure that I don't screw that up on uh, on Nelson here. Nick Nelson. Let's see here. Here he is. He had – 42 career PBUs and zero interceptions. So it didn't have didn't have a single pick. 40 touched the ball 42 times didn't catch any of them. That's a problem. That ain't good. Uh, DJ Reed from Kansas State's another inside guy that I like. He's just a little over 5'9", 188, ran uh, 4'5", Another tough, instinctive player. I think four round four, round five in that mix. Good player. Anthony Averett uh, from Alabama. I think he's got some inside outside flexibility there. He's kind of, I have him in that same range, third, fourth round, right around there. Mm-hmm. So that's the corners. Let's jump over to the safeties here. I, again, I still have more safeties to watch, but uh, I think I've, I've done most of the top guys here. Uh, top tier, we've talked about Minka and Derwin and how um, don't be shocked. I have Minka over Derwin, but don't be shocked, if don't Derwin, be shocked goes. Derwin goes first, right? Yep. So that's to me, that's really tier one as those two guys. Then I get to the next tier. Again, I probably would just go with two names, and that's with uh, Ronnie Harrison and Jesse Bates, however you want to order those. Jesse Bates, a pure free safety, um, who I think has some some coverability if you wanted him to play corner from, from Wake. He does a nice job. Uh, and then Ronnie Harrison, I think, probably going to be – you know, he can play both, but I think you're probably going to want to drop him down, let him be a force player against the run. I think that's kind of that second tier for me, those two guys. Yeah, that's – 
kind of how I see him. Uh, it really depends on what you're looking for. When I watched Bates, uh, I mean, I just thought he was solid overall. I thought he can. He, he he's a guy that uh, may not necessarily make a ton of splash plays, even though he did have a pretty good year. Um, previously when he had what, five or six interceptions, he has mm-hmm. baseball in his background, so you know he can track the ball uh, as a former baseball player. And then Ronnie Harrison is just a guy that can kind of creep down in the box, and he doesn't mind mixing it up against the run. It comes down to what do you need, what are you looking for at the position. Do you want a middle-of-the-field player? If you do, that's Bates. If you want a guy that can kind of come and be a, a factor against the run, I think that's Ronnie Harrison. So if you're looking for where these guys in the draft could fit, I think Fitzpatrick and Derwin James I view as top ten type players. Bates and Ronnie Harrison, um, mid to late one is where I have them, and I think Harrison will end up going ahead of Bates. Then I have some guys with the same grades, but I would put – In the tier after these guys, I probably would go Justin Reed from Stanford will be next with uh, Terrell Edmonds from Virginia Tech and uh, Deshaun Elliott from Texas. That's kind of that next tier for me. Cam Kelly from San Diego State, uh, just just behind that group. I probably would put Cameron Kelly down in that next group. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at uh, Justin Reed, and I'm looking at his card, and I'm thinking about the notes that I had on him. Highway speed, size. Yeah. Um, you like how he looks, how he moves around on the field. Doesn't necessarily have. I wish he was a little tougher. Ball, I wish he was production. tougher. And you know, like the thing is, like his brother Eric, his older brother Eric, um, plays, but isn't necessarily a trained killer yeah. as a hitter. And so some of that you wonder, can you coach up and get him to be just a real, you know, a little more active and interested in being a in a force or a San Diego State tight end just, just stiff arm and threw him into the ground. That was one of the first games that I watched, and it just left a bad taste in bad, my mouth. Bad, bad impression. Um, so he's one that's interesting. Uh, I'll let's go back and forth. What do you think about Deshaun Elliott from Texas? Yeah, I mean, look, he USC game was kind of his high watermark. Had a couple picks in that game. The ball found him and uh, and made some plays. I think he's a little bit tight. So in terms of some of the flexibility to be able to drop down and cover, I don't think he gives nope. you that. I think he's kind of a floater, uh, a floater over top. It's not a bad thing. I think he's a free safety. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's I think he's a good, not great player. To me, he's in that. Yeah, he's more of like a late two. Uh, early three type player for I me. think so and then you know the thing about safeties it's so funny because safeties is, the position is such a subjective position that depending on where you go what you're asked to do in the system that you're playing and you can go play for a bunch of years and no one ever really notice you or notice what your flaws or weaknesses are but then you have other guys who they play in a system that really puts them on an island and kind of exposes yeah. their ability and their potential I think with uh, Deshaun Elliott um, it is all Scheme dependent. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you going to ask him to do? How are you going to ask him to play and perform? Um, Solid, nothing splashy, nothing spectacular about him. Um, I think a lot of these guys are kind of like the same guy. Like, And that's why you have them all clumped together because they really don't stand out like that. Yeah. I actually, going back to Deshaun Elliott, I had him down as kind of a – he was a poor man's Marcus Williams uh, coming out last year. We saw unfortunate missed tackle that he had in the – in the uh, playoffs there. But uh, that's who we kind of remind me of. Good ball skills. Uh, got some range. Is a high safety. Uh, okay, then next uh, bottom tier here, this, you know, third tier. Uh, actually, the fourth tier after the guys we've been talking about. Then I would have I, – I really like uh, Tracy Walker from Louisiana Lafayette. You've got Armani Watts from Texas A&M. Kazir White, who I guess a lot of teams are grading him as a will linebacker. That's Kevin White's brother there at West Virginia, 6017-218. A lot of people think he'll drop down there. Uh, Marcus Allen, very similar. So I have kind of White and Allen together down there as those physical guys. Got some size. You can drop them down. 
and then Watson Walker, I think you play those as the as the high safety. So that's that next tier of high safeties. It's this is what goes on, by the way, if you're listening to this, this is what goes on in the room. You're taking them, saying these are similar type players, they function in the same manner. So let's how sort, we, out, sort we, them out. Cluster buster. Yeah. Cluster buster is what we do on Path to the Draft. How do we restack them uh, for our own team? How we take this clump of players and if they all were sitting on the board, how we rank them and prioritize them based on what our system is and how we envision them playing. All right, there's a quick look there at the DB position in this year's draft class. Uh, real quick, before we get to this D.D. Westbrook interview, Buck, what goes on uh, during these team visits? You can bring them in now. you got the 30 visits, so you bring in 30 players, come to your facility. What goes on there? You know, the funny thing about the visits, the visits are like a great time. Sometimes the scouts are in, sometimes they're not. A lot of times we were in when the guys did the visit because we were beginning to kind of finalize what's going on with the draft meetings and the board. And so those guys would pop in, we would talk to them. But really it's a great opportunity for them to get with our coaches. And so they'll spend half of the day working with the coaches, talking to the coaches about football, watching tape with the coaches. Really a an, an extensive get-to-know-you session. Because as we've talked about on the podcast before, you really don't know these players. You, you it seems like you've been around them enough to know them, but as an area scout, you, you go to the school call, you see them a couple times, you may have a conversation or two, you get around them at the All-Star game if they're a, a senior, you get around them at the All-Star game, you interview them, you talk to them, you engage with them over the week, you see them at the combine for maybe what amounts to maybe three days, so you get a 15-minute interview if he's one of your hot shot guys. And then it's about your interaction at the pro day and then the private visit. This visit is very important because this is really your time to think about and speculate about what this guy could be if he comes to your team. So it's huge. Yeah, we had I've I've done it different ways with different teams. Um, when I was in Baltimore and Cleveland, we usually would bring guys in two or three at a time, so they'd come to the facility. If you were a scout in the facility, you'd you'd be there. Most of the scouts are scattered though. You're out in your area, so you're not even there for that. It's just for the guys inside the building. Um, and so you have three guys in. You, I remember like me and David Pollock talk about this all the time because I, you know, got him set up when he came in for our visit there when he was coming out of the draft, coming out of Georgia. Um, but you kind of just like parade him around to all the different offices. So he would go speak with your assistant pro director, your pro director, your college director, your GM, your head coach, position coach. We would have our salary cap guy would talk to him just because you just get. <laughs> so then what happens is so you he goes around to all these different offices. You everybody's asking him different things. Obviously, the coach is focusing more on scheme stuff. They might have sent him a playbook a week before. Going to ask him, see if he can recall, draw it up on the board, what he's seeing. Um, Share with him kind of the vision of how he would be used and how he feels about that. And then at the end of the day, players go off to dinner, usually with a position coach or a young scout. That was when my first two years in scouting, that was my job, take those guys out. You were taking them to dinner. Yeah, I was dead broke and get a chance to go get a nice steak. So you're always hoping that they're, you know, say, where do you want to eat? We've got, you know, Ruth Chris here, Fleming's, this, that, and the other. You just hope that they set a nice restaurant. Uh, Bob Sanders coming out of Iowa, I was all excited. I told my wife I wasn't going to be home late. Um, But don't worry about it. I'm getting a good dinner. You want to go to Quiznos? Really, Bob? Really? This is my this why, is my why? one benefit of this job, and we're going to Quiznos. Okay. At least it was free Quiznos. Yeah, but here, here's it's what like, I – I could have got a steak. I, yeah. blame, I, blame, I blame you. You should lead him. Here's here your choice. I did. Here's your choice. We got Fleming's, Fleming's, Mastro's, Ruth Chris. Which one? He said I'm a little tired. I just want something uh, quick. Okay, no, that's it, You got a Quiznos around no, here? No, 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 no. And I'm nope, like – Nope. Yeah, I that, got a Quiznos. I, I put that Actually, up. we don't Thanks. have Quiznos. That's bad. That's nope. bad. That's now bad they're out. Yeah, I should have said no. It was right next to his hotel. I didn't lie to him. That's bad coaching. Bob Sanders got the biggest traps I've ever seen in my life. I'm not trying to piss him off. That's bad coaching. Yeah, no. Uh, Bob, we can get yours to go. Yeah. 
if we, we, could do your, we, get you, we get yours to go. I'll be back. We'll, we'll take <laughs> so, we'll take it to Fleming's. You know who I had a great dinner with? Uh, Jamal Brown. Remember when he was oh, at yeah, Oklahoma? Yeah. We went tackle. to Roos Chris. And he, I don't even remember what the I, – I remember the Bill Cumming buck, and I remember thinking, like, I hope I have enough room on this card. <laughs> I don't even know if I cover this thing. Yeah. He was – he it, like, he would eat the whole meal, and I was like, whew, good dinner, huh, Jamal? It was nice. He's like, all right, uh, waiter, yep, let's go another round. Anything, another steak, another this. I was like, holy oh, crap, this that's a problem. Eat. Uh, yeah, we had a good time, though. That's, that's a problem. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of what goes on. What I was getting to at the end of the day, though, um, all those people that met with him will get in a room, and you'll compare notes. Yeah. What do you see? What do you think? Da, 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 da. And obviously the physical, going through the doctors and all that. I remember picking up Jonathan Vilma, and uh, first of all, he was just in a bad mood the whole time because we, we, he was not going to be there when we picked. And he knew it. He's grumpy. Uh, he was not happy. And he was like, oh, we got okay, to go. And there was something going on at the hospital we normally go to, so I had to take him to, like, Johns Hopkins. So it was a long drive. Wasn't happy. Grumpy. And I've talked to him since then. He's a great dude, but he did not want to be there. Kind of grumpy. Honor. You know, defense players a little different. Yeah. We had uh, – who did we have in? God. Linebacker. Odell Thurman? Oh, yeah. Georgia. Ooh. Yeah, Spent a little time on that visit. An interesting visit. I remember that combine visit. interview. We had a nice dinner. The one thing we did, we ate well. Carolina, we ate well. We had yeah. nice dinners. Yeah. We take we take the whole group out though. Okay. Whoever came in, so we take four or five guys all out. Coaches, everyone there. It was a long day. It was a marathon dinner. But Who's ultimately making that call on the thirty? Uh, you guys yeah, get the, any the, input on that? Or? Well, I mean, it's it's your meeting as a staff at yeah. the combine. A lot of times, you'll be in the combine interview. And the combat interview is 15 minutes. You get to the end right. of 15 minutes, and you hadn't even begun to delve Check. into the issues. And we're like, well, we'll see you at the facility yep, here we'll in, see a you in a little while. Days. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing is you feel bad for the guys that blew up at their pro day mm-hmm. that were non-combine guys because yeah. every team is scrambling. I remember remember Shante Spencer, the corner yes. hit. Oh, he was man. coming out. He might have had to He went make, top second round, he right? He won the second round, but he didn't go to the combine. He had to go visit like 20-something teams, like maybe 25, 26 teams. So trying to get his agent on the phone to get him a visit was darn near impossible. There wasn't enough time. He was going here and there and there. Oh, he must have been exhausted by the end of that month. We've had some guys on the on the car wash come in that have had a lot of visits too yeah. on top of like the, coming to see the media. Yeah. And, I mean, well, this is like, these guys are doing some traveling. You, normally it's like – Normal visits probably for the top players you're talking about. You visit maybe six to ten teams. We're talking like twenty plus teams. Yep. So it's it's nuts. But anyways, it was it's all about the free meal. That was nice. Always. All right. Let's get to our D.D. Westbrook interview before we get out of here. Get a chance to visit with him again. Be on the lookout for the 360 episode on Baker Mayfield coming down the pipeline here in a little bit. Um, this uh, this portion or the portion of this interview. Where we talk about Mayfield will be there. So if you're wondering why we're not asking Mayfield questions, we're saving it. Uh, <laughs> we got some other good stuff here from from Dee Dee Westbrook. So hope you enjoy this one. Dee Dee, what's it like looking back at last year at this time for you going through the whole draft experience? How was that for you? Uh, it was pretty stressful for me, uh, me myself and my family. You know, uh, at the end of the day, from all the training, all the work you put in, you know, all the way up until this point, you you you. You've worked hard throughout your college career, and, and at the end of the day, it's just all about where you're going to get picked up next and where is your next city going to be. Uh, what, did, what did you learn about yourself during the process? You talked about all the training and everything with your family, but what lessons did you take from the process that helped you your rookie season? Oh, man, just to be patient, and everything happened for a reason. You know, uh, at the end of the day, like I said, you've been training, you've been working hard all the way up until this point. 
you know, throughout your whole life, your whole career, and here it is. It's all unfolding right here before your eyes. Now, we'll get to Baker in a little bit, but I know Baker has talked about, you know, keeping screen grabs of of, uh, of haters, so to speak, and, and using that as motivation. How much motivation did you take from the fact you were the 110th player picked after a wildly productive college career? I mean, I felt – I felt disrespected, actually. <laughs> you know, I felt disrespected, just just, just like any other competitor out there, you know. And, and for me, uh, I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, I'm, I'm working my tail off. You know, I'm I'm trying to go for 1,000 yards receiving this year, period. You know, uh, of course, trying to stay healthy, uh, stay away from the injuries. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to go over 1,000 yards. Last year, look, you, you, you're only in seven games. You started five, and look what you did, 27 catches, 339 yards, and a touchdown. Six of those catches over 20-plus yards, so definitely provide an explosive element uh, to this Jags offense. What do you need to do in, in this second year to take your game to the next level? Learn defenses a lot better. You know, uh, at, at OU, no disrespect to the university at all, but I was just running go routes, post routes, you know, in, in simple slant patterns. But at the end of the day, you know, I wasn't really taught the defenses and how they brought and how they were brought down. Uh, but with Coach McCardell and all the uh, coaches at the at the Jaguars facility, they've been helping me with that. And so that's one of my strengths now. I'm getting better with that each and every day. And so just uh, equipping that into my game and what I already have going on now. It's funny that you mentioned Kenny McCardell. Kenny and I played together in Jacksonville in the 90s. What has that relationship been like to have a former player, a guy that has played for a long time? What has that relationship been having a position coach that you know has played and been in your shoes? It's tough. It's very tough because uh, most coaches that haven't really played the position, you can kind of BS around, you know, get around some of it. But for him, he's seen it all. He's done it all. You know, and, of course, he's been around really great players like himself. And, and so everything is work, dedication. You you got to come to work, ready to work. Is Blake Bortles good enough for you guys to win a Super Bowl with him, Didi? Almost definitely. Uh, get, tell me Almost a little bit. Definitely. Tell me what what don't we know about Blake Bortles that you know after playing with him? He likes to take chances. And for me, a guy like myself, that that's what I like. You know, whenever there's tight coverage and you still throw the ball to me, expecting me to pull it down like I do in practice, you know, I, I can work with that. You know, and so for me, I just got to continue to make those plays and continue to separate myself, and he just continued to trust in me and throw it. You know, Didi, there are a lot of people on the outside that would say your team has lost Allen Hearns and Allen Robinson. You have yourself and a bunch of young guys that are going to kind of pick up the pieces, and you signed Dante Moncrief. Why will next year's version of the Jags be better than the version that we saw this year? Because at the end of the day, those young guys that were once younger got a year under their belt. And so, uh, and for us young looking up, you know, you think the NFL is tough and it's difficult, but at the end of the day, it's all football. We didn't got that year under our belt. And, and so we're just ready to go out and, and explore everybody's defense. I want you to tell me about what you got going on with Go Crazy, man. Explain Go Crazy to me. What's this whole thing all about? All right, Go Crazy uh, is a brand that I just started, but it's something that I've been using since I was 11 years old. And, and what came from it, I was a kid growing up. I watched my mother struggle with me and three of my other siblings. And, you know, it took me coming in at like four o'clock in the morning. You know, I, I overheard her crying in the room and she had a bill in her hand. 
And so I went in and I was like, Ma, is everything okay? And she was just like, yes, everything is fine. You know, I just don't know how I'm going to end up paying the bills and getting all you guys school clothes and all this together before school start, you know. And, and while we were sitting there talking to one another, I made a promise to her and I told her no matter the situation, no matter what the cause may be, I'm going to go crazy in everything that I do from here on out. And, you know, she looked at me and she smiled and she made me promise her that. And so from that point, you know, uh, I used go crazy as like motivation. And, and I wanted to wear it around on my chest because no matter what it is that I'm going through, no matter what it is that I'm doing, that I'm going to go crazy for me, my mother and everybody else out there. And I know there's some kids out there with similar stories like mine or if not like mine, worse than mine. And I just want them to know that, you know, you can go crazy for your dreams. No matter what it is that you're trying to achieve, no matter what it is you're going through, go crazy. Do you, do you can you listen to Prince the song "Go Crazy" while you wear "Go Crazy"? Does that just like take it over the top? Do you? Uh, most, most definitely, most definitely. All right, that's that's what I'm gonna do. Then. I need some "Go Crazy" gear. I'm gonna go wear some. I'll go download crazy. the song and we'll all go crazy. Everybody's going crazy. Hey, where can they, where can folks find it? By the way, if they want to get some some "Go Crazy" gear. If you want to get some "Go Crazy" gear, uh, go to the Instagram at Go Crazy, E N T twelve, and the link is in the bio. All right, we are we're on it. We we get some go crazy gear for the Move the Sticks podcast here. <laughs> hey, Didi, thank you so much for your time, man. We, we wish you the best of luck in the future. Uh, thank you for having me. Great conversation with Didi Westbrook, and trust me, Buck, the good stuff. The folks at home haven't even heard it yet because that's going to be on our Baker Mayfield 360. Look, this one of my favorite receivers when he was in the draft a season ago. I thought he was one of the best wide receivers. I think he teased us a little bit when he got a chance to get on the field. I'm looking forward to him doing big things. Like kind of digging into his mind a little bit. All right, that's uh. That's going to do it for today's episode, though. The 360 series is humming right along. We've got Saquon Barkley getting released this week, so be on the lookout for that one. Uh, some some fascinating conversations there, talking with his coach, talking with his high school coach. Uh, again, some some good stuff there on Saquon Barkley. Be on the lookout for that. The 360 series just continues to roll right along, and be sure to check out the videos. We've got our perfect pairs videos are starting to launch where we're uh, digging into these teams and saying who we think would be ideal picks in the first and second round. You can find that NFL.com slash MTS video. Uh, for those that have left us comments and uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts, we do appreciate that. If you haven't, uh, do us a solid. If you can, log in and, and give us a little comment there, a little feedback. We appreciate it. But uh, that's going to do it for us today, Buck. We'll be right back in the chair here before you know it. You know it. Sign. It's drafts month. It's April, everybody. Get excited. Uh, we are on Move the Sticks. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.